Welcome to Brand New Nation with your hosts, Danny and Chris. Danny helps personal brands make thousands of dollars selling their online courses at Udemy. Chris is owner of ChrisDidIt.com and has created online homes for powerhouse women, including Grammy-winning artist Chrisette Michelle. Each week, Danny and Chris speak with YouTubers, bloggers, and entrepreneurs about how they're getting paid to pursue their passions and to help you create your personal roadmap to do what you love for a living and thrive. Are you ready to get brand new? Let's listen in on Danny and Chris now. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Brand New Nation. Chris here, and today we're sitting down with Zim Ugochukwu. Zim is an expert world traveler and founder of the awesome website and community Travel Noir. In this episode, you'll learn how she traveled from California to Brazil for only $60, that's crazy, and how she grew TravelNoir.com to 100 travel writing contributors and 30,000 aspiring and inspiring travel hackers. We'll go also get into how she's working with large brands like Black Enterprise. Yeah, this is going to be super exciting. I remember the first time I met Zim um, in San Francisco. It was, uh, I guess, about a year ago now. Um, and we were at this reception for a really cool program called the Millennial Trains Project. And what it was is it was a train mm. that was going around the country from coast to coast, um, making stops in certain cities. And the train was filled with um, people in their 20s who were all working on new businesses. And they were all um, socially driven uh, entrepreneurial um, uh, causes. So... She did a similar project um, when she was over in India. She spent some time living on a train 24-7 with 400 other people. She loved the experience, and because of it, she was also going to this reception. And yeah, and, and I don't know if you remember, this is when I was like looking for friends, you know, and trying to make more girlfriends. And so when I met Zim at this event, <laughs> I said, we have to be friends, and I kept in touch with her. Um, and now she's one of my favorite study buddies in San Francisco. But um, yeah, she's always zipping around around the country, around the world, and I can't wait because one of the things, I mean, Chris, like we've talked about this, how the heck did she grow Travel Noir so big on Instagram, right? Yes, and so quickly too. Yes, I mean, I've got friends, moms, cousins who are tagging Travel Noir and they've heard about it somehow. I remember being in Harlem at um, a co-working space and the women behind me were talking about Travel Noir and the fellowship program and I couldn't believe it. I'm like, how is word spreading so fast about Travel Noir? So they're headed for world domination and you guys are lucky because Chris and I had a great conversation with Zim and we're going to find out all her secrets. Yes. Awesome. Shall we start the call? Yeah, let's definitely get into it. Awesome. Now let's play our call with Zim Ugochukwu, expert world traveler and founder of Travel Noir. Zim, we are so excited to have you on Brand New Nation. So let's take it back to the beginning of your journey. You had your brand new moment in January of 2012, and that was an important life-altering time for you. So can you just tell us what happened then? So I was living in India at the time uh, as a part of this really awesome fellowship, and um, I got the opportunity to live on a train for a few weeks and travel sort of pan-India, stopping in about 12 different countries with 400 other young Indians who were just like me, um, trying to change India. And so on this train, I, I got to understand 
how people who live completely different lives, who live on other, you know, the other side of the planet shared the same concerns that I did. They had the same struggles that I did. Um, and that we were just separated by, you know, geography. And so being able to live on that train, we ate, we slept, we studied, we did, we showered, we did everything on that plane. And I'm sorry, on that train. And, you know, it was one of those experiences that was life changing. So to see India in a different light, to see it in vast landscape, whereas in other magazines, when you hear of India or when you see India, you just think of a ton of people. To be able to live on the train and see India in this vast sort of landscape, it made me appreciate the world that we live in. And it, it reminded me that there is so much of the world to see and that you can't take people's word for how you know, a country really is. Um, you have to go and see it for yourself. Man, and if you could just explain for people um, a little bit about how you ended up on this train, because initially it started with the Henry Luce Fellowship. Um, and so yeah. if you could tell you know our listeners how you even came up on this opportunity in the first place. So um, I was placed at this organization um, in India, and you know I was working there for a couple months, and I really liked it, but they couldn't seem to find a really good fit for me. Um, so given, you know, the fact that I really wanted to maximize my experience in India, I remembered at uh, a Henry Luce Scholars reception earlier on in the summer that somebody had mentioned this program called Jagriti Yatra, and it means awakening journey. And so I Googled it and I, and I looked through and I was like, man, I want to experience that. So I applied for the program and I got accepted. And on December 24th, Christmas Eve, we left for Mumbai um, with 450 young people, 400 Indians, 50 international participants, and we left um, on an incredible journey. Um, so it all it all started with the fact that I wasn't really extremely happy in the place that I was where I was working and I wanted something more I wanted to see more of the country I wanted to do more um, and so that's sort of how that experience came about mm, okay so now you're working on travel noir can you tell us a little bit about it and what inspired you to start it yeah for sure so when I when I was traveling to all these different countries I you know I was hopping on $8 flights from India to uh, Malaysia, $50 flights from um, Thailand to Bali. And wow. people were very skeptical about that. And at the same time, I could have blogged about my own experiences, but given my background in community organizing, I knew the power of building a community. And I knew that power. So, you know, I, I had this idea of creating something for the diaspora because there is a stereotype that we typically don't tend to travel outside of, you know, Las Vegas, Miami, um, Atlanta, the Caribbean islands, and that's, you know, the, the typecast is that we stick to that. Um, and, you know, I thought I was an anomaly. I thought I was the only one of my kind traveling, you know, traveling to all these different places. So I sat on the idea for about a year. And uh, it wasn't until last summer, the end of the last summer, um, somebody just said, why don't you just go? Why don't you, well, you have nothing to lose. Um, so I said, okay. I, you know, bought the domain name, bought, you know, everything that I needed to, um, ended up launching Travel Noir with $50. 
and it is a um, it is a platform of, of cultivated insights from a global community of Black travelers. Um, and so, what we've discovered and what we're trying to do is look at the way that people. Um, identify with travel. So there's three different stages, typically, the dreaming stage, planning stage, and the experiencing stage. And what we've done with the dreaming stage is we've sort of put into people's minds that you can go here. This is for you, too. Some of, of cultivated insights from a global community of black travelers. Um, and so what we've discovered and what we're trying to do is look at the way that people um, – identify with travel. So there's three different stages, typically, the dreaming stage, planning stage, and the experiencing stage. And what we've done with the dreaming stage is we've sort of put into people's minds that you can go here. This is for you, too. And so if you look at our Instagram, if you look at the blog, you start to see people, you know, dreaming up these destinations that they want to go to. Um, and then the next phase of that is is planning. How do I actually get there? So through things like um, YouTube videos or how-tos or, you know, different things like that, our readers and our audience are able to sort of understand how they can get to different destinations or the destination of their dream. And then from that comes the experience. So once you know where you're going, once you know how you're going to get there, you want to be able to maximize your experience. So by taking the Travel Noir story and segmenting it across, you know, three different um, segment, it creates a really cool storyline for people to sort of take in and digest. And so Travel Noir is all about the unconventional. Um, we're all about getting people, more people who look like me, out in the world um, and, and you know, traveling unconventionally and leading lives that are true to them and ex exploring them. Um, so, so, yeah, that's a little bit about Travel Noir. Awesome. So, I'm actually wondering, you know, I know that you grew up in Minnesota, and did the love of travel come from your parents, or how did how did any of this come about? Yeah, so my, uh, I'm actually first generation African American. My parents are from Nigeria. I, I grew up in, in Minnesota, where there weren't very many people who looked like me at all. Um, but in growing up, my mom was a, a single mother, and so she worked a lot. My brother and I would always roam the streets. We lived in a small town, and it was perfectly normal for us to walk around, go to the grocery store, X, Y, and Z. And so that's where I sort of cultivated my love for exploration. Um, my first time abroad was when I was 16. Um, I went to meet my father for the first time in Nigeria. And I remember my mom telling me that we were going to go for three weeks, uh, oh, no, we actually stayed for six weeks. I'm sorry, six weeks. And I didn't talk to her for three days, you know, oh. given given that, you know, I had heard all these stereotypes about Africa, African booty scratch. I mean, these are names that I was called um, mm. when I moved down to North Carolina. I didn't want to associate with that. I didn't want to be a part of that. Um, but after my trip to Nigeria, my life was completely changed. Um, not in any way that I sort of tagged that to, oh, I have to travel the world, but travel has always sort of been a very integral part of who I am. When I was in college, um, I traveled almost every month. I was the vice president of a national anti-tobacco organization, um, and so we traveled all over the country talking to young people about how they can take a stand against big tobacco. And so I was so accustomed to giving, you know, 
uh, leaves of notice uh, to my professor saying, hey, I'm going to be gone Thursday and Friday. Don't forget. I'm going to do this test when I get back, though. And so that that had always been uh, sort of uh, an integral part of my life. So I would say that, that travel started from this idea of exploring and being exposed to the, the freedoms, I would say, of um, of growing up and, and being able to sort of explore. So, yeah. Wow. And so, I mean, it's crazy to see how large um, Travel Noir has grown in just about eight months since you started yeah. it. Uh, yeah. And it's like, if you look at your uh, your website, you, you're getting like ten to 15,000 monthly uniques to your website every month to TravelNoir.com. You have, you know, thousands of people on your email list that are subscribed to get your, your um, content every uh, every week. And then if you go to your Instagram, I mean, this blew my mind. You've got 15,000 Instagram followers. And Ooh. you do a great job of just, like, engaging people there, just, like, getting the community together, highlighting individuals in the community. And so uh, what we'd like to know, and for the people listening who are trying to build a site, a community, a tribe, you know, what are the three key activities, would you say, that you've done to grow the Travel Noir brand and tribe? I would say that the first was to be authentic. Um, I think that whenever you are an authentic entrepreneur, people really resonate with that. Travel Noir would be very different if I wasn't black. If I wasn't an African-American traveler, it would be a very different kind of experience. And I think that staying authentic, knowing what it is that people like me are sort of looking for, um, was was very key in in um, continuing to, to grow the brand. Um, the second thing that I wanted to do was make sure everything was clean. I am a I am a design aesthetic freak, and I don't <laughs> like it. The, the websites that I saw. Um, on black travel were very clunky. They were very, they didn't fit that sort of clean, um, minimal aesthetic that I was looking for. And so since it wasn't out there, I decided to go out and create it. And so everything that we do has a very clean, minimal kind of aesthetic to it. And I, you know, I really wanted to emphasize that because I thought that we deserved it. You know, we oh. as a demographic deserved this level of attention to detail, this level of love that was put into the design, we deserve that. And so I wanted to to display that high-resolution images, beautiful imagery. Um, and so that's number two. Um, number three was opening it up to let other people contribute to your brand. So right now we have about 100 and eight curators, so people who write for the site, who live all over the world, different people, different experiences, and they all absolutely love to travel. And they want to shatter this stereotype that people who look like us, people of the African diaspora, don't travel. And so they work their hardest to share experiences, tips, tricks, things to do, things not to do, so that they can inspire people to live beyond you know, the, the, the stereotypes that are tagged to you. Um, and so I think that allowing people to contribute to that brand has made it so much richer. If it, if Travel Noir was only about me, I don't know that it would have gotten as far as it has gotten. Um, so those are the three things. 
Got it. Man, that's uh, those are really great. And I think to get to dig into more some of the tactical things a little bit, um, for those are, you know, there are people who are have their own blogs, their own content sites, and it is a lot to write the content yourself. And so how were you able to find over 100 curators that were willing to write um, and contribute to your blog? So people were very, very excited to write about, um, to share of themselves. Um, and even even when I started, I started with a landing page, and I just put a button at the top and I said, contribute here. One of the problems that travelers have is that whenever we come home and try and tell people about our travels, it was good is good enough for them. So how was your trip to Iceland? It was good? Oh, okay, that's great. Have a good day. And that's sort of it. And so your stories uh. about your crazy travel experience just live on in your head and you don't really have a place to share that with people, right? And so mm. Travel Noir served as this outlet. You can tell your crazy stories. You can tell your lessons learned. You can tell your to-dos. You can tell anything that you want as it relates to travel and your experience, your black experience to the world. And I think that given the the way that Travel Noir has sort of taken off, people are willing to share of themselves. They're willing to to um, show people that you can do this too. This is not an isolated incident. If I'm out here, you know, taking a bus in rural Myanmar and I came out of it, you know, I came out of it a better person, I came out of it alive, then you can do it too. Quit spending $3,000 to go to Vegas and buy a round-the-world trip ticket to 26 destinations, you know. So those are the kinds of things that our curators are very, very passionate about. So it wasn't extremely difficult to find people to share that because we all sort of share in the stereotype. The stereotype hurts everybody. The thing mm-hmm. about a stereotype against the culture is that it hurts everybody. Mm-hmm. Because I'm black, people automatically look at me and think, you know, this, I, this person doesn't travel. I mean, that's not the first thing that they, they think, but that stereotype that we only go to certain places hurts everybody. Um, so the the curators that do write for the site and do travel want to help shatter that. So. I love it. And a couple of the other things you've done is I found really great. Like you um, have held Q&A sessions over Google Hangout where you actually answered some of your uh, community's questions about travel. I thought that was really smart. Um, And then the travel challenges. Could you just maybe share um, a bit about a a travel challenge that you held and maybe how that helped grow um, Travel Noir? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, the the Google Hangout. So when I look at the barriers for people to do anything, so for travel, the typical barriers are friends, money, and your career. Not enough time off. And so if you look at those three, what are the what are what are topics within those three uh, silos that you can touch on? And one of the things that people had always come come up to me to say was, you know, how do you get paid to travel the world? How do you travel the world and X? How do you travel the world and Y? And so I pulled together our curators who all had very different backgrounds. One was a teacher, one was a student, one was in the corporate world, one was a, you know, designer in the creator space. And so I wanted people to talk about how they were getting paid in different careers, in different stages of their lives. People were, you know, as young as 20 and as old as 45. And, you know, that right there, having that diversity on the Hangout, talking about something that people were genuinely interested in hearing about, 
was something that, you know, people gravitated towards. So if you're taking um, some of the common pain points uh, or barriers even in your industry, um, if you create silos or you create lists and sort of drill down even, you know, finer points in that list, then you can sort of work from there. And I think that um, people wanted to see that it could actually be done. And, you know, another common thing that I do is I open up my inbox. Yes, I'm able to do it now because we're still relatively small, but I will on any given day in any given month send an email to our following and say, hey, my inbox is open for 24 hours. Ask me anything. Or, you know, we want to hear from you. Tell us what Travel Noir, you know, means to you. Or something along those lines. Engaging with people so that they feel like they're not another number. You know, people know that my inbox is always open. Gift and a curse, I know. <laughs> um, but people know that they, you know, if, if they need anything, they can shoot me an email. Um, and that creates loyalty. That creates brand loyalty. If somebody knows that you're willing to jump over the moon for them, for that one person, then they're they're also willing to do the same for you. We want to create travel noir ambassadors. We want people to be so enamored with the brand that they share it far and wide. Um, and that is how you continuous, you know, continue to build the brand and continue to grow the brand. You have that small group of 100 people that will bend over backwards to tell everybody that they know that your brand is the best. That's all you need. You don't need no marketing. You don't need anybody. You just need to stay connected to those 100 people. Um, and so that's sort of how we've sort of leveraged Hangouts and Twitter chats and open inboxes uh, to to grow the brand. That's great. And I've seen this happen. I remember the day – I was, I mean, because I, you know, we're friends, and I was, you know, I knew what you were doing on Instagram, and okay, Travel Noir is popping. And then I remember when I had a friend, and actually more of an acquaintance that I met down in L.A., you know, years ago, and I saw him add the hashtag Travel Noir to his photo. And he had no idea who you were, you know, he, but in his mind, Travel Noir was like a big deal, and he wanted to get featured on Travel Noir's Instagram feed. So I saw a series of photos when he was in India, um, and he tagged, you know, Travel Noir. Uh, he did hashtag Travel Noir, like, trying to get featured because he's like, yo, Travel Noir is a big deal. I'll do anything I can to get in front of these thousands of people that they have on their Instagram. And I, I remember telling you about it, Zim, and I was like, man, this is this is a big deal. Um, and then just with your opening up your inbox, I was amazed because you – you have, you know, you had, what, over 200 people respond um, to your email when you said, ask me anything about travel. And that's, like, yeah. super high engagement. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was definitely – it was a feat. But I got through them, and I <laughs> – it, it's a great – it is a great way to do market research. If you want to figure out what people's pain points are, if you want to figure out what they're struggling with, ask them. You know, it, it's sort of like an asking anything. And so as opposed to sending out a survey or, you know, X, Y, Z. So, for instance, I needed a couple of testimonials um, for different, you know, various ad travel noir assets. But I didn't want to go the traditional route in, you know, sending out a survey, telling what you think about travel noir. So 
um, a few days ago, I told the story of how I started Travel Noir and how I was terrified when the site went live. I was terrified when I got into Instagram and, and started trying to look for photos. I was terrified. But I didn't let that fear sort of paralyze me. Um, and, you know, I talked about when people travel and how people are comfortable with the familiar. They don't, you know, when, they, when they're booking a trip, they don't press that book button. They're so, um, they're so attached to the familiar. And so I say, you know, had I not overcome that fear, had I not pressed that book button, we wouldn't be where we are today. So we want, you know, we see you taking action. We see you booking these flights. We see you doing all these things. And we want to know what you think. And that was a very roundabout way of telling somebody or asking somebody to tell you what they think of your brand. Um, and it, it was a sort of a, an, an open emotional story, but it is required of you as an entrepreneur to be open with your audience. That is the way that you drive connection. That is the way that you drive engagement. I am super open. I mean, obviously as a person, there are certain things that you can't tell everybody and you can't tell the world, but, if people say, if people feel like they can say, oh, yeah, Zim, that's the founder of Travel Noir. I knew that, you know, she started at X time in her life and X line, blah, blah, blah. That creates that sort of level of connection. And so it's been a journey, and I enjoy it. Um, it's a challenge sometimes, but um, but I think that it's it's definitely a, a great tool to, to use. Awesome. That's so smart. So you've been to India, Indonesia, Laos, so many other countries, and we talked before the show started, and you said you're guesting around 25 countries in total? Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. So I want to know, what has been your favorite country and why? My favorite country? Um, My favorite country uh, is India, um, hands mm. down. I, uh, I've been to about 80% of all of the states in India, and I've seen a lot of different things. I spent a lot of time on trains, on buses, on planes, trying to get as much out of my time there as possible. Mm -hmm. And it is such a diverse country to be able to see the backwaters and live on a houseboat, to go hiking in the Himalayas and in northern India, to go picking tea in Darjeeling on the eastern side of the country in the hills. I mean, the, the country is absolutely diverse and the people are absolutely diverse. Um, so India is my favorite country, hands down. It's a difficult place for a lot of people, but it's difficult for a reason. You come out thinking that you can you can do anything. I think that because I live in India, I can go anywhere. I can go to the moon. I can go anywhere, and it will be a breeze. It will be a breeze. Um, so, yeah. That's, that's so interesting. What kind of challenges are in India where you sort of get that sense? It's the everything challenge. You have everything yeah. thrown at you at one time, and, you know, there's a culture of corruption there that you sort of have to expect and you have to build into everything. So if I'm registering as a foreigner – and I don't give the person a bribe, then I'm not going to register as a foreigner, which means that I can't get out of the country when I want to leave. So there are a lot of different things and nuances that happen um, that make India a very challenging country. India, the Indians like to stare. It's a part of the culture. And they will stare, they will come up to you and put 
you know, their phone five inches away from your face because they're fascinated wow. and they're curious. But having having the idea that you're being watched every second of the day is not something that people <laughs> people like. You know, it's yeah. it, it's almost like you're a celebrity. And, you know, those kinds of things uh, were unnerving. So the feeling of always being watched, um, those were a couple of different things that made, made India very challenging. But I did, I mean, I did a lot of solo travel after I left. Um, a lot of things happened in India that caused a lot of people to be really nervous uh, about mm-hmm. the country. But, I mean, I, I, there are people like that in every country. Um, so, yeah. Interesting. Okay. And how many times have you been to India? I have been to India one time. I'm going again at the end of the year. Uh, I was, I mean, I've been to India one time, but I was there for 13 months. Um, so I, I definitely had, uh, interesting experiences. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So last time, um, I met with you. Um, a few weeks ago, I met you in San Francisco, and over dinner we talked about how you get these crazy, crazy cheap flights, and I was like, "What? How is that even possible?" And like you told us about Brazil from from California round trip for just sixty dollars, New York to Italy round trip for one hundred twenty dollars. That's insane. It blows my mind. I need to know how do you do that? <laughs> so um, I follow a couple of really awesome websites. One of them is theflightdeal.com. And they post really amazing deals. Like a week ago, last week, American Airlines had $400 round-trip flights to um, Hungary. And from Hungary, although Hungary is not on the map for a lot of people, Hungary is also a gateway to Europe. So if you fly to Hungary, mm-hmm. you take a Ryanair or if you take a um, you know, another another cheap budget airline to other countries, you just save a ton of money. And these yeah. are summer flights. You know, flying to Europe in the summer is not cheap. So, Mm. you know, that was one strategy. They post a lot of really amazing deals, $500 round-trip flights from L.A. to Peru. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. Um, Mm. Another sort of tool that I use um, a lot is uh, kayak.com slash explore, Um, and that will allow you to see – where you can go for how much. So I have $500 spent on flights. Where can I go? Um, and you choose a month, and it'll let you know how far you can go for that amount of money if you purchase that. That is really ticket. cool. Um, so, so yeah, I use a lot of different tips and tricks, but those particular flights were ha- – they were um, flight glitches. So the, the first flight um, to to Italy – was a huge glitch fare on a lot of major airlines. I mean, there were $200 flights to India from Houston. There was a $400 flight from D.C. to Cape Town. I mean, they, people were booking their vacations for, a, you know, a year out. Um, but I didn't have that many vacation days, so I had to go <laughs> somewhere that didn't require me to spend 20 hours in the air. So Europe was the closest place that I could go. I could take a red eye from Cali, take a red eye from New York and be in um be in, you know, Milan the next morning. So the Brazil trip, I use miles. So I do a lot of credit card hacking and so I use miles to get to Brazil and just pay the taxes which came up to 60 bucks. 
Wow. Okay. Yeah. And your accommodations when you get there, do you have hats as well, or is it full price? I mean, you you can hack your accommodations. You can um, – a lot of times people really sleep on couch surfing, um, mm-hmm. but couch surfing isn't really – sometimes people give you their couches. A lot of times people give you their rooms and for free. So essentially you're staying in people's home. It's like Airbnb, but you're not paying. So um, there's that way to get through it. And I know people who've couch surfed their way, you know, everywhere they go. Um, I typically use Airbnb because it is cheaper than a hotel. And I can dictate whether or not I want to stay with a family and get the whole cultural experience or whether I want to – whether I want to um, stay at a you know a home by myself, so mm-hmm. I haven't hacked my way through a country just yet on accommodations, but I'm not opposed to it at all. Hey, brand new nation, Chris here. Have you been putting off creating your website because you don't know where to start? Let me tell you. Step number one is signing up with Bluehost. Bluehost is the only hosting provider I use for all of my sites, including brandnewnation.com. If you're nervous about the technical aspects of setting up your site, you can trust Bluehost. They are there to answer your questions with their 24-7 live chat and impeccable customer service. You can get our discounted rate of just $4.95 per month, plus your free domain name, by going to brandnewnation.com backslash Bluehost. That's brandnewnation.com backslash B-L-U-E-H-O-S-T. If you've been procrastinating on getting your site up, use Bluehost and you can have your site up and launched within the next hour. That's brandnewnation.com backslash Bluehost for our discounted rate. Now let's get back to the show. And now it's time for the Moolah Scoop. Ain't nothing more important than the Moolah. Hey. All right. Okay. I love it. Okay. So. Yeah, that was great. Thank you. <laughs> Love it. So here at Brandy Nation, we want to change the conversation around money and empower our guests to be honest and transparent about how much money they're making or not making doing what they love. So, yeah, so how much are you earning through Travel Noir right now? Or, you know, how are you making a living? So it's interesting. So I have this really cool view on side projects that – I mean, I've done side projects for probably eight or nine years now. And um, G. Lee, who used to be the creative director at Facebook, has often said that his best jobs have come from his side projects. And Travel Noir, as of now, isn't or currently earning any revenue stream. Um, We are looking at a lot of different avenues for um, revenue opportunities. We're talking to a lot of different brands. Um, So all of that's going to change soon. But as of now, Travel Noir isn't currently bringing in any revenue. So what I do to support myself is I'm a producer for a really large tech conference. And so it's a job that I've had for a year plus. Um, so I started I started Travel Noir about, hmm, I would say maybe four months after I got my job. And things have been really picking up since. But I made a commitment to myself that I wasn't going to quit until I knew that Travel Noir was going to be making X and by Y and this is how much and this is, you know, what it's going to be. So I was very clear that I didn't want to make that move. 
But right now as it stands, I'm working 18-hour days. I'm up at 5, and I'm down at, you know, 11 or 12. Oh, my gosh. And wow. so it's sort of like I am working two jobs. I'm working eight hours in one, eight hours in another. So it's, it's, very, it's very tough, um, and there's a fine line between – you know, the work that you're doing and the work that you love and the job that's going to be paying your bills while while you're doing that. I'm lucky enough to have a job that allows me to remote days um, every week. So I'm able to work from wherever. Um, and so as long as I get the work done, then I can, you know, do whatever on my own time wherever. Um, so that is, that is the moolah soup. Got it. Do you think um... – you mentioned you have two days to work remotely, and I know for some people listening, they have full-time jobs. They may have something they're working on on the side or have plans of starting something, and they might be wondering, how can I make that happen? You know, if I had even one day at home where I could work from home, that would really help me jumpstart my freelance or my side project, my, my business. Um, so how would you recommend someone go about getting remote days at work? I would recommend, there's a really awesome book um, from the guys at 97 Signals called Remote. So they have a book called Rework and they have a book called Remote. And it's all about why working remote works. Um, And so if you look at this day and age and you look at the young entrepreneur, we are flexible people. Um, We're flexible in staffing. And so a lot of times, Young people like me are looking for jobs that can be flexible. A lot of guys and girls that I know that work at startups have like one or two flex days or they have, you know, 30% of the week they can work on whatever they want. So they have that sort of flexibility. So for somebody wanting, you know, who wants to start, I'd say it all starts with the trust that you have with your supervisor or your boss. Uh, And so if you're taking a, let's say you're going to take a sick day to just to try out this sort of experiment, right? Let's say you let's say you take a sick day and you are the most productive that you've ever been, right? And you do your sick days. Maybe you do your sick days, you maybe you use three that month and you strategically place them. So at the end of the month or maybe at the end of the following month, you can say, Hey boss, look at how productive I was on my sick days. Isn't that crazy? On the days that I'm working, I'm only getting X done. But on the days that I was at home working, I'm getting 70, you know, 75% more done. What what could it look like if I could get one day a week working from home? You know, since I'm so productive on these days that I'm not in the office, do you think that that would work? And that's how you sort of introduce that conversation. But it all starts with the trust. You have to um, – your supervisor has to trust that you'll be able to get the work done. Um, the negative connotations that sort of exist on working remotely is that you are on a beach somewhere, you know, swimming in the water, not doing the work that you need to do. There's, there's nothing wrong with it. But to a supervisor, it's a huge risk for, you know, for your, for, your, for your workforce. So they sort of enter it with a lot of caution. But, um, you know, it's, it's totally possible. If you can make that argument that my time away from the office is more productive than when I'm here, then people will, people will listen. They'll listen. I like that. And just to add a quick note, um, there are, there is kind of becoming this culture of unlimited vacation at startups. Um, that's how it is at my company where I'm working right now. And what that means is you are truly allowed to take off as many days as you want in a year. 
Um, we have people take off for, you know, three weeks uh, to go to India, actually, um, you know, for a honeymoon or two weeks in Colombia. And as long as you're delivering on your objectives at work, your goals, then no one asks any questions. And they're like, you know, enjoy, enjoy your trip. So just to let you guys know out there who are not currently working in a company like that, that is possible as well. That is kind of becoming a norm for a, a subsection of startups. So does that mean that they also expect you to work a little bit while you're on vacation or something in order to keep up? On no, I mean, okay. yeah, it's it's kind of up to you. Uh, so, for instance, uh, my coworker who went to Columbia for two weeks, he was completely unplugged. You know, he was like backpacking through rainforest and stuff. There was no, you know, Gmail um, at all. So he just made sure that we had someone trained to cover him on, on one aspect of his role that was kind of like it needed to be covered while he was while he was gone. Um, and then my other coworker who went for three weeks to India, um, no, he was completely offline. And he gave us very fair warning, like a month in advance, I will be offline. He said, well, not here from me. And he just made sure that, you know, anything that was pressing – it was taken care of uh, before he went. Mm. Okay, that's awesome. Cool. All right. So as we head on out here, we want to know what's next for Zim, Ugo Chuklu, and Travel Noir, and what do you want to accomplish next? Um, A lot. A lot. We have a lot on the horizon. We have a lot of really cool things coming up Um, for the brand. We are plugging away. We are working tirelessly to deliver the best – that we can for our growing audience. So there's going to be a lot of hangouts, a lot of touch points, a lot of um, points for engagement so that we can continue to build the brand, drive traffic to the site, um, grow and soar, and sort of be known as this brand, this experience for unconventional travel. And we are the first place that people come when they want to connect with our audience. Um, when they want to connect with this growing segment. So there's a lot on the horizon. I'm super duper duper excited about it. Um I and I, I you know I can't wait for people to see what's in store. Awesome. Well Jim, thank you so much for sharing your journey with us today. You are inspiring so many people to travel and explore the world, I'm sure including me and Chris, definitely. Oh, yeah. And so would you mind sticking around for our next segment and telling us the three steps to travel hacking and exploring the world for cheap? Sure. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us for part two of our interview with Zim from Travel Noir. To find the show notes, which include any links and resources we mentioned in this episode, 